Welcome to the Beyond Mom podcast, the podcast for moms seeking connection to self while navigating the journey of motherhood. Get inspired with our practical tools, soulful conversations, and honest stories told by other women like you. From entrepreneurship to healthy living to style, Beyond Mom will spark you to live the thriving life you deserve. And now, join our host, Brandy Zinn, as she takes you Beyond Mom. Hi, and welcome to On Air with Beyond Mom. I'm so thrilled that you're here today for what I know is going to be an amazing, insightful, and practical conversation with my friend, Sophia Goucher, who is not only a mom of three, also a resident of New York City like myself, but also the author of such an awesome book. It's called A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxic Exposures. And the reason that I wanted Sophia to come and join me today for this conversation is because through a recent event that I hosted and had her on the panel, I realized that she is not only just such a beautiful person with so much heart and soul, but a person that has such important wisdom for those of us that are are exploring living on every level a healthier life. So Sophia is here with me today and she's going to tell us more about herself and really download for us about how she is living a non-toxic life as much as she can and the ways that we can do it in a way that I believe is approachable, doable, and meaningful, even for the busiest of us. So hi, Sophia, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled that you're here. So First of all, tell us how you got into this world and why you've made such a commitment to informing people about the ways in which we can live a non-toxic life or as much as possible. Well, my journey has been a very organic one. I grew up always interested in being healthy. I grew up upstate New York, was from a very young age interested in how I remember reading about how berries could help our bodies with the antioxidants. I think I was in fourth grade flipping through a magazine and I would get excited about that kind of information or how certain things in carrots were good for my eyes. And so from a young age, I was very interested in how what I ate could serve my body. And my family's also a tennis playing family. And I started playing varsity tennis from seventh grade. And exercise was always a regular part of my life. And so someone recently pointed out to me that not many people can say that from a young age, they ate well and exercised regularly. And I was one of those people, yet I always felt really bad. I had really low energy. I felt very uncomfortable in my own body. And only recently when I started to realize I feel better than ever, can I look back and recognize that the not feeling comfortable in my own body wasn't just the normal female stuff. But now that I live a relatively non-toxic life, I think the chemicals in my diet, which I never considered, and many other things in my home, like personal care products and cleaning products, I really think that they affected how I felt in my own body and definitely my energy, just feeling comfortable in my own skin, which I know that also comes with age. 
But I also do think that detoxing my life has really helped me feel even better. And so yoga actually became a big part of my life in my starting in my 20s. And I started out hating it. It was miserable for me, but it was becoming increasingly trendy. And so I would try it about once a year for a few years. And it was just interesting to me that even the second or third time I did it, even though there was a year in between the sessions that I got better, even doing it once a year, I just noticed, oh, how interesting, like it's less miserable and actually feels slightly better. And it just I kept going back to the mat. And for me, starting at doing yoga once a year was helpful. And eventually yoga got, we ended up doing a yoga teacher training session uh, program somewhere between, I think, 2005, 2006, doing it on weekends in between my corporate like demanding corporate job. And that, as you probably know, that journey of yoga just gets you so much more inquisitive and enhances your awareness about many things. So I was thinking more about breathing and my organs and, you know, blood flow and the power of awareness. And during that time, I became pregnant and that just engaged my curiosities towards my inner environment even more. And when I had my first daughter in 2007, I then started studying about her development and I would accidentally come across toxic chemicals in these products that affected my daughter the very next day, like BPA and baby bottles and cancer-causing chemicals in the baby bottle nipples. And my first reaction would be, this cannot be true, because if it were true, then my pediatrician would have told me about this. But yet I couldn't ignore the possibility that it could be true. So I go to the internet and my background in being an investor in distressed opportunities would kick in and my skills would would lead me to think, okay, where can I, you know, is there credible information? What are the facts on this? And eventually I would find credible sources that would support these concerns. And I'd be researching this till like 2 a.m. And then from by around 2 a.m. I would realize I want to make a safer choice, you know, so if I'm going to avoid plastic baby bottles, what is a safer choice that is also practical, like not going to leak away all of the breast milk. And usually by 4am, I would have figured out something safer try. And this would be on a work night where I'd have to wake up at like 6am to take care of my daughter before going to work. And that's an example of how I would accidentally learn about things that were very relevant to my daughter and later my growing family. And it was such a stressful learning experience that I wanted to make it easier for others to learn about something that's really relevant and to spread awareness that there's actually strong science that supports just being more aware and taking precautionary measures. I was just going to stop there for one second, Sophia, and just say like, I mean, I just find the process so amazing and I respect it so much that fire. And I mean, I just pause to say like, isn't that just so the spirit of the mom, of the mother that you care so deeply suddenly, not only about your own child, but suddenly it becomes about the health and well-being of all children and all people 
people as you start to understand more and to feel so inspired by that, that you're willing to forfeit your own rest to be able to come up with something better and find better resources and then to want to help people. I mean, to me, that's like so the beyond mom journey because it's so about finding these new parts of yourself and sharing them. Definitely. I think the timing of when I was learning about all this stuff was I turned it into inspiration. Of course, as you probably know, when women are pregnant or nursing and they have young children, for many moms, the protective instinct is even more heightened. And so we can be more sensitive, but I think biologically, that's probably more appropriate for the well-being of our children. And to read about these harmful or threatening things for young developing life while pregnant or nursing and with infants, it was harder than if I had learned about it before or way after when I couldn't do anything about it. And so I thought the timing of when I was learning about this topic was it was emotionally hard, but it was also empowering because it was at the start of growing a family. And I just thought many times I thought, why is this happening to me? And I eventually thought it must be happening to me for a reason because I wasn't really surrounded by others who are going through the same journey. Okay, so you become incredibly fired up by all of this information and you decide that this is all happening to you for a reason and it's your duty in so many ways to help and to share this information. So what did you do next? So as You know, I think as someone who was always interested in health and yet I didn't concerned about environmental factors or chemicals in our environment, I was very slow to believe that was a risk factor. And it'd come up sometimes from, I don't know, I'd hear it and I inside would roll my eyes at it. And so it became motivating to me to create, a, to share my research and create a book that would have convinced my younger self. I was slow to take this topic seriously. And given my background in investment management, which was very focused on facts and how do you think about risk return, I wanted to write it in a way that would have convinced my younger self because I thought there was a whole untapped market of people who could care about this topic, which also would lead them to care about the environment, if the information and the facts were presented in a different way. And so I just decided to share what I had learned in written in a way that would have convinced the skeptical younger self that was very fact-based. And I knew it wasn't necessarily like a commercial thing to do. But I just really wanted it to be authentic, thinking it could actually make an important difference. And it would just be a different voice out there in the marketplace. And I wanted, my father is a doctor, he's an OBGYN, and my brother is a radiologist. And they, I was born with my father feeling like if there isn't proof of harm, then there isn't anything to worry about. And his thinking represents how a lot of physicians think. And so I think in the back of my mind, as I worked on the book, I was also trying to convince my father. And I wanted to, I cite sources, the scientific studies throughout the book, because I wanted a patient to be able to share the book with their doctor so that together they could make healthcare decisions with a more holistic perspective. So For example, our pediatricians are wonderful, but I learned that physicians in general, including pediatricians, 
are not educated on how nutrition, environmental factors may impact health or even pregnancy outcomes. And so for a patient to give their doctor this book, it could quickly show the doctor there's actually a lot of science on this from organizations that include the World Health Organization and the European Environmental Agency, and and hopefully begin to bridge the gap in knowledge and communication between the scientific community, the medical community, and the public. Yeah. For those of you that are listening, I can just imagine that everyone is like, okay, so where do I begin? I mean, what category of my life or what categories can I start to make changes? So can you talk us through kind of like the easiest and most approachable categories that we can begin to do a survey of where we can make change and where is most important? Absolutely. I like to reiterate that there's so many opportunities to detox our lives. I'd like to encourage people to start focusing on things that don't threaten their joy. So usually cleaning products are a group of products that we don't have any emotional or sentimental attachments to, whereas I find food to be more complicated to alter. So cleaning products are a major source of pollution to the indoor air. And you can, the Environmental Working Group has an excellent database where you can type in the name of your cleaning products and see what hazard rating is assigned to your cleaning product. I did that for a few years and bought safer off-the-shelf products, but over time I just grew discouraged by how much work that involved and then later realizing that the products I thought were safer, I would later learn are actually not necessarily safe enough. And so now it's been 10 years that I've been cleaning with a handful of ingredients. It's baking soda, white vinegar, Caspial soap, hydrogen peroxide, and I've recently incorporated a steam cleaner. And it's really, it makes cleaning just so much easier, shopping more simple, and it's much cheaper, and it's been very effective. So the cleaning products that are out there, Sophia, that are, you know, like a company like a seventh generation who, you know, let's call them some of the earlier companies that started formulating more, you know, non-toxic products. I mean, where do you place the fact that now, technically speaking, it's easier to purchase what they call non-toxic cleaning products versus like the really basic space that you're cleaning from, which is, you know, the most basic ingredients. What got very hard for me was that I found, I grew to find that there wasn't one retailer that I could universally trust for all products. Just Mm -hmm. meaning that, I mean, I do buy, I buy seventh generation dishwashing detergent, but, you know, some products of a company will be really non-toxic and others will be less non-toxic. And it just got really complicated to remember which product, like hand soap or dishwashing detergent or laundry detergent or window cleaner or toilet bowl cleaner. It actually, like, got very specific. Like, I could only buy one product per different brand. That's so interesting. Like, I would never honestly think 
that a company like that, you know, promotes themselves as a non-toxic company, that the ingredients would vary to that degree from product to product? Well, if you research each product in the database by the Environmental Working Group, you'll see that not all of them are non-toxic. And maybe it's changed by now, but at the time okay. that I, you know, there were a few years where it was up and down depending on the product. And so, you know, at the same time, manufacturers aren't required to disclose all the ingredients in their product. So you also have to trust that there's full transparency. Right. And as I studied chemicals further, I realized that they're often, you know, there's this section in my book called our track record with substitute chemicals. So we have plenty of history where once a, pro a chemical starts developing, accumulating proof of harm from the scientific community, manufacturers will just tweak the chemical formula a little bit, and then it's a brand new chemical with no track record of harm. Wow. So then, yeah, so BPA is a well-known example. BPA, when I started looking into it in 2007, had over 800 studies on it, yet there was still no consensus in the United States about whether it was safe or harmful. There's a lot of debate. Whereas outside the U.S., there are countries saying, we're going to ban it from children's products. And that's still the case, I think. But BPA started to develop a lot more controversy, even having over 800 studies on it and large groups of scientists saying this should be banned from children's products and many others, including the FDA, saying, no, it's safe as it is. We, um, over time, manufacturers just decided, let's create BPA-free products. And so we later learned that chemicals that replaced BPA ended up having, some of them have more hormone disruption activity than even BPA. So wow. in the past, it's been substituting chemicals has been a way to just, you know, escape rising public concern. So it just goes to show that you can't just rely upon either the omission of a product or that a whole product line would have a certain philosophy to it um, and abide by it product by product, which is in and of itself just like a change of thought, right? Okay, so while we're on the subject of cleaning products, so you kind of gave us a list of your basic products that you use. And it's kind of like returning to the way that, you know, our grandparents probably did it. And I love hearing that. Is there anything else that is there like a formulation you make that where you put things together? Like what would be the top recommendations you would tell our listeners in terms of cleaning products? I often Google cleaning recipes because it also depends on what you're cleaning your home with. So for example, I have a lot of natural materials like natural wood and natural stones. And so you do have to get to, if you have natural materials that are, you know, we're part of nature and can absorb and they do react with the environment, it's important to kind of get to know how your materials may be influenced by the acidity of vinegar or, you know, the different products of what you're cleaning with. I actually enjoy that. I mean, I think it took me years to get to this point, but I just invite people to take their time in getting to know what's in their home and what they're using. So yeah. going back to the example of my yoga practice, it started with going once a year and that got me on it, ultimately got me on a great path. But 
similar with getting to know what's in your home. Expect it to be a long journey and enjoy the journey. And I've grown to marvel at what chemistry and modern day technology has been been able to create for us. Like everything in our home is made of chemicals, which is amazing. But at the same time, learning more about what we don't really fully understand about how it affects our bodies and these chemicals end up in our blood, in our urine, in our cord blood, in our breast milk. It's, that's not necessarily going to cause harm, but it's just made me, I think, so much awe, many more things. Right. Absolutely. So it's interesting because I really relate to the history that you come from, Sophia, because I also grew up in a pretty conscious household in terms of health and also was always very curious in a similar way as you. So from a very early age, I also grew up using natural products. And I remember my mom cleaning the mirrors with vinegar and water. So like I relate to some of the spaces you come from. And I do feel like cleaning products and I would suggest maybe we talk about our personal care products because I think that's also maybe we do have a little bit more attachment to that stuff because of smell and how things feel. But I do think that's a place where we can make relatively easier adjustments. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. I, you know, it all depends. And that's why I like to present a menu of options. I find that some people get very attached to their personal care products. Mm. And so I, for me, for example, I don't know if it's helpful for me to give a little framework about indoor air or for them listeners to appreciate detoxing or cleaning product. But many people don't realize that indoor air tends to be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, even in a city like New York. And so it is important to start becoming more aware of our indoor air quality and what are easy changes to improve it. So cleaning products is a major way to improve our indoor air quality. That's definitely a fact that I, you know, we don't always assume, is it? Yeah. So I was shocked when I learned that. And when I learned it, I realized I had never, my oldest daughter was about two years old and she, I had never opened the windows in her bedroom before thinking that would help create a healthier indoor environment because we have all this congestion outside our apartment in New York City. And so it was such an important fact. And sometimes it's been measured to be up to a thousand times more polluted indoors if you just painted or you have a new carpet or, you know, depending on what you've done inside, it's the point is it's much more polluted indoors. And then that raised the important question of why is our indoor environment so polluted? And that's what got me researching all the different products we have in our home. And so one good takeaway is when you realize indoor air is so polluted from the things we have, it then makes sense to just crack open your windows when outdoor air quality is pretty good. Meaning I now use an app to when allergy season is when we're in allergy season, I'll use an app to see how pollen is outside or if it's a time of year when there are more mosquitoes around, I maybe won't open the windows. But when outdoor air quality is good, I think, oh, now's a good opportunity to just let my home breathe and allow the trapped in fumes is to air out. Wow. What about air purifiers, Sophia? Because there's always this feeling of like, 
that's better for my home air quality. Is that true? That is true. I mean, I did look for studies to prove it, studies that were not funded by like an air filtration company. I didn't find them when I was looking for them years ago, but I've met enough people who suffer allergies or other respiratory issues. I personally don't have those health issues, and so I don't necessarily notice whether it helps me, but I now have an air purifier in every bedroom. I believe it probably does help. It serves almost as another set of lungs. So why not have this machine help collect uh, small particles in the air and fumes to alleviate what my lungs have to do and what my family's lungs have to do. But yeah, I just discovered a new favorite air purifier and why it's unique from the others I've looked at is that it also has an, it has technology to kill the bacteria and viruses that it traps. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, yeah, I guess the other air purifiers probably just breathe them after they trap them. So I do think air filters can help. Okay, interesting. Okay, so what else do you want to tell our listeners in our conversation today? Like, what's the next most important thing to consider? I think so understanding indoor air is really polluted with high impact for me. And then understanding dust is fascinating and high impact also because I didn't realize that dozens of chemicals have been found in in house dust across the country. And it led me to realize that a lot of the chemicals that make up our household product don't stay in the products. They just over time escape and they escape into the air and settle into the dust. And so scientists have found flame retardants in the dust and heavy metals and pesticides. And so that led me to prioritize cleaning more because I realized it wasn't just about germs, but it was about chemicals that could interfere with our biology. And so one really high impact thing to do is to have a no-shoes policy at home. There's a study that's sometimes known as the, the, the doormat study or something like that. And it's done by the EPA. And they found that if you have a big doormat at the entrance of your door and people wipe off the bottom of their shoes and leave their shoes at the door entrance, it can remove lead dust in your home by up to 60%. Wow. And that made me, and so I've learned that the bottom of our shoes actually tracks in a lot of chemicals and heavy metals from outdoors into our home. And a simple solution to really cut your exposures is to just not have shoes worn inside your home. Well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? It's a simple idea, and it takes a lot of persistence to execute because it's well, if you have more than yourself coming into your home. It just, it's not something we're used to in the United States or in Manhattan. It's a high impact idea. It's a simple idea, but it actually takes a bit of time to really enforce. Right. Just like shifting your habit upon entry into the house, but it can make a really big difference. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about home products. We talked about air quality. We talked about dust. Can you, because I'm also personally interested. Can you talk a little bit about personal care products? Because I tend, me personally, I tend to really think about the products that are in what I put on my body. Yes, it was really eye-opening to me and thought-provoking to realize that so many ingredients in our personal care products are found in our bodies, in our blood and breast milk and cord blood. 
And I realized, wow, everything I put on my skin really does penetrate deeply. Or anything you spray in the air, like hairspray or deodorant or sunscreen, it's a quick way to inhale the chemical formulas. And so so what I say to people is because I've met people who say, I don't want to know more. I love my facial cream. Don't tell me I have to give that up. So I like to say, Hold on to what you love. Like if you have some product, whether it's your hairspray or nail polish or deodorant or perfume, whatever it is, like hold on to it. Let's think about what else you don't love that you're swapping out. So for me, I also had a, a face cream that I knew was probably toxic or had chemicals that were threatening, and but it worked really well and it made my skin look great. So I held on to that for many years until I discovered a non-toxic, beautiful formula. And in the meantime, I didn't really care how I moisturized my body. So I then decided to, I started moisturizing my body with things that were safe enough to eat because they were entering my body as if I were eating them. So it, that includes olive oil, coconut oil, and then I started using sesame oil when I learned that in Ayurvedic medicine, they encourage you to use sesame oil around your joints like before you shower so the heat then encourages the sesame oil to go in inward and moisturize your joints and that became fun for me you know that was my approach and that's what I encourage others to do is start with what you don't love whatever that might be even if there are things that you do out of habit but you could live without less is more so for example nail polish you know it's Fun, but I, I did find it not so worthwhile to spend the time to get my nails done when it would chip in a day or two. And I just decided I only do that when I really, really want to. So it doesn't threaten my joy, but I know that most anything I use, the ingredients will may end up in my body and just to be safe. If it, I don't love it, I don't do it. Mm, that's a great tip because I think what can happen when we start to ponder things like this about health and toxicity, we can, of course, get overwhelmed. And I do want to stress that, you know, one of the major points of your story is that this was a journey for you. This took time, lots of research. It clearly became a passion for you. But I don't think that anybody should, you know, like lose their mind and go deep into anxiety and completely change their life in one day. I think your advice is very smart, which is start in the places that are approachable. Like you say, don't threaten the joy in your life, but make impact in these small but potent ways. So I love that you give that suggestion and that guidance to people. Eventually, it takes on a life of its own because you start to learn more, you become more curious, you start to feel better, you start to look better. And it's such my approach is such a gentle one. And just like in yoga, where you learn, it's all about being, not all about, but being non-judgmental and part of the journey, my approach to practical, you know, I've labeled my company practical non-toxic living because the practical component is very important. We can't live a non-toxic life. But I think becoming more aware of this, what I consider a pillar of health, the toxic exposures from what we buy and do, it's a pillar of health. It's like another toolbox that we can open up and experiment with to feel better and live better. And we shouldn't be judgmental. We shouldn't have 
impossible standards, but when you learn more and it's easy to make a healthier choice, then make it. And when it's not easy because you're throwing a big party or you're at a birthday party, then let go and just enjoy the moment. But there are many times, especially at home, especially with the routines of our lives, where we can make tweaks. And whenever you feel ready for another tweak, then my book has hundreds of tips. And it was designed in a way that would be easy to flip through. You know, I wrote it when I was very busy with three young kids or, you know, growing our family to have three young kids. And I didn't have more than like a minute of uninterrupted time. And I wanted a book I could just flip it open to any page, read one sentence and learn something. And the idea is you can just flip for a tip that is non-threatening to incorporate. Mm, I love that. I love that. And so I hope all the listeners today from this conversation are feeling that making these changes to live a life that's less toxic and better for your and your family's health is not unattainable by any means. And that's why, Sophia, I wanted to have you on the show to not only give some of the tips that you have, but to be an inspiration for the fact that we can build these things into our life and we can make changes that are not massive and life-altering, but can make really big impacts on our health. So just to, you know, again, steer everyone towards your book, it is called A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxic Exposures. And this book has gotten lots and lots of support from some well-known individuals in the health and wellness world. I myself don't have a copy yet, but I need to. And and also your website is also a wealth of information. It's called uh, nontoxicliving.tips. So it's another great place to dive in and receive information. Yeah. And I have been, I want to point out one other area that I think is so important for the public to know, and it offers so many easy tweaks we can make that are very high impact. And it's another type of air pollution from, uh, it's the radiation from our wired and wireless technologies. And that can sound like such a scary, overwhelming topic. But once simple thing we can all do is when you go to bed, turn your like assuming you have wireless devices in your bedroom, if you turn them to airplane mode, then that may make a big difference not only on your quality of sleep, but a lot of other things as well. And so I noticed children are often around iPhones and iPads. And as you, there are a lot of programs and games that actually do work on airplane mode. And if you could just start doing that more often, then that would be really high impact. And so on my website, I also share a program called Detox Your EMS. And I've divided tips into like 21 mini strategies because I think it's an important thing that the public should know more about. And they're just, I also don't advocate banning technology, but just learning how to live with technology in a healthier way. I love that. And that's so important. I agree. And I'm going to utilize that one immediately, if not sooner. And I think also like just to give you like one final compliment, Sophia, what I so love about your approach and just like reveals the yogi you are is that everything has to have its balance, you know, in life. Like if we become 
too crazed about any one thing, you know, the anxiety, of course, is also detrimental to our health. But if we can find the space and the right information and the right person to inspire us on that path, we can make profound changes and do it in a way that's healthy and positive. And so I really, really respect the way in which you've navigated this whole territory. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. Well, there's so much more we could talk about. And because I know the amazing mother you are, I want to, again, have another conversation with you another day to talk all about the mom that you are. (laughs) But for today, I feel so glad that we were able to harness this discussion about practical tips and ways that we can dive into our spaces and our homes and create spaces that are healthy and supportive of the life that we want to live. So in the show notes, Sophia's website and book will be listed. And I hope that this conversation has inspired all of you listening to dive into your life with positivity and hopes for a healthier life and future and to know that it's completely attainable. So again, Sophia, I really, really appreciate your time and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks so much, Randy. I enjoyed talking to you. And to all of you listening, continue to take amazing care of yourself one day at a time.